I think that might be the way a lot of people describe the Blackcast, that they can't stand it. Welcome to the Blackcast. I am the Blatt of the cast, Christian Blatt on Twitter, at ChristianDMZ. Please don't forget to follow the Blackcast on Twitter, at B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Like the Blackcast on Facebook. Uh, Agent Starling on assignment. Coltrane way on assignment. Deep, deep cover, which he'll explain to us in the near future. But on the other side of the glass, Captain EO, at Jeff DeRay. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. That was a great stop set. I know. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure right now, and I do not perform well under pressure. Just ask my girlfriend. You were just begging for that. Oh, yeah. just ask your girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, joined on the phone, uh, ostensibly to talk about Star Trek, but there's so much more to talk about beyond Star Trek, uh, making a triumphant return to the Blackcast, comedian Thomas J. Kelly at Tom Kelly Show on the Twitter. Tom, welcome back to the Blackcast. Uh, I can't believe it took the release of a new Star Trek movie to get me back here. I know. I I, uh, I hadn't been in New York in a, in a while, uh, you know, and I, I wouldn't have had the access to the studio anyway. And I was I, I thought about this a few months ago. I was like, well, we'll just have you on the phone. And then I'm like, wait, let's let's do it around a Star Trek movie <laughs> because we always have that. And we'll t- we'll talk Star Trek in a little while. But uh, uh, I want to get caught up a little bit. And you know, we could have had a phone call like humans. You know, uh, maybe even traded text, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to talk to him on the podcast anyway. Uh, so uh, I guess now when people are hearing this, the news will be about a week or so old. But, uh, you know, we're not going to delve too much into your daytime job, but you work on The View. And it's very exciting that a new personality that they've added to The View, a former NBC page just like ourselves, Sarah Haynes. Yes, actually. Uh, and Sarah Haynes, who is an NBC page, who is younger than Christian and I, yeah. and I'm pretty sure at one point worked for me and uh, Christian at different points, is now technically my boss and uh, a great boss to have. Uh, she, you, What you'd get a kick out of, uh, and, and per, forgive me for rambling here, if you, see, if you watch Sarah and she's on the Good Morning America right now, and she's been on The View a lot, and she comes off as one of those sweet human beings, and... If you knew her 15 years ago when Christian and I knew her, uh, you would know now that, I mean, she just is, she's made a living off of being a saint. You know, and there are a handful of people that uh, are able to uh, pull that off. And those people tend to thrive in morning television. Obviously, there are certainly examples, but uh, just, you know, people who are spoken so highly of, you know, uh, your your Savannah Guthrie's, your Katie Couric's, your Deborah Norville. Well, maybe not all of them, but, you know, uh, for the most part. uh, But so that's great. And how long have you been at The View? It's been a while now. And, you know, actually, uh, I'm good. I have been the uh, warm up comedian at The View for uh, literally 10 years to almost a date. I think it's 10 and uh, ten years, three days, I think, is uh, about where we're at. And look, working in, uh, in television, uh, there is not a lot of job security. So when you can have a gig even close to that long, uh, that's pretty impressive. You know, I mean, I had almost uh, eight years on the Dennis Miller show, and uh, I consider that quite a blessing so if you can get close to a decade at anything uh it's great you know well and it's what's funny too is it's really a freelance job that i've just been showing up to for 10 years straight 
And the joke has been, originally was the job was supposed to last two or three weeks. And then it, uh, it devolved into a thing where not only did I outlast Rosie O'Donnell, who got me in there, I outlasted Joy Behar. Then I outlasted Rosie O'Donnell a second time. <laughs> and then Joy Behar's back. Uh, and it's just been a wonderful adventure. And, uh, you and know, it's one of those things I thought I was very unqualified for the job. And, yeah, the magic has made it last. But, of course, there are very few people who have on the resume able to say uh, outlasted Barbara Walters, you know, so... You know, actually, gosh, I didn't even think of that. You know, that's a very... Uh, <laughs> you're actually, you know what? I knew I, I knew if I hung on long enough, she'd quit. It's mine now. It's all mine. Remember uh, a friend of ours, uh, Ryan Peterson, who now does uh, regional uh, cable news in New England, when he started working at ABC, he, like, started the Monday after the Friday that Hugh Downs retired, so he ended up getting his pager. So, so you know, he basically, uh, you know, had a lot of people getting into contact with him, which, you know, probably uh, didn't hurt some of his networking because, like, I'm not Hugh, but uh, I'm a really nice guy from Massachusetts. Get to know me. <laughs> you know, and then I just, I'm just imagining Ryan Peterson calling back Peter Jennings to say, I'm sorry, uh, this, you got the wrong number, <laughs> Mr. Jennings. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so look, that's exciting. And uh, you and I are both uh, nerds is a one way to put it. But I guess if we're trying to be classier, aficionados of late night television. And since the last time we talked, the uh, entire landscape is, is really completely different. Uh, it's It's really about the online things that can go viral. I think that uh, Fallon does a really good job of that. Kimmel does a pretty good job. And uh, from out of nowhere, James Corden found probably one of the, the greatest viral bits of all time, this carpool karaoke. And it's so weird to think about because when we used to always watch these shows and, you know, when we got to work on them, you, you didn't really think about, you know, carving out pieces of it. You thought of it as a show and it was kind of an event, like, this is great to watch this show. But, uh I feel like you have uh, done a good job of uh, started trying to get some things out there as part of at Tom Kelly show, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here, and I, I, I wish I could send you a picture of my apartment, which you've been into. I have, uh, to describe to people at home, uh, I live in a New York City walk-up. The apartment number is 2C, but it's really on the sixth floor. And a great Christian black quote is, I bumped into Christian one Thanksgiving. Uh, and I bumped into his wife, Heather, took him to my apartment, and uh, you come into my apartment, and then there's a staircase going back down a floor once you get in. Oh, yeah, I and forgot about that. Great line. <laughs> and you had the great line looking in that I quote whenever I bring a new guest in. You looked, and Christian was not very much in shape at the time, and he has now walked up the five flights of stairs without having a heart attack, looks in, and then he goes, oh, my God, more stairs. <laughs> and anyway, and it's a tiny New York City apartment, but I have a giant green screen covering the loft. If you remember where the loft was, sure. The and yeah, so I've been trying to uh, get some viral things going. And even if I'm not getting viral, I have a nice small. Uh, I have a small audience that gives me the validation I need when I do web videos. So uh, do, do you think your online audience has uh, been with you long enough that uh, they'll follow you to this venture and, you know, an appearance on the black cast? And do you think that they'll be excited to know that this segment of the show is brought to you by Latsos, Latsos, and Depipo? 
Oh my gosh, talking about old bits I got to pull back. <laughs> I miss podcasting. That's why I love doing this. And maybe we got to each, uh, and the, I was podcasting before podcasting was cool. Yeah, I remember then, you had to explain. It's like it's an internet radio show. And then people are like, but how do I listen if it's on the internet and not on the radio? Uh, it was like yeah, the term actually, podcasting. Put... Sorry, go we ahead, to Tom. Dumb it down. No, we had to dumb it down. And the term podcasting wasn't around. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And we, uh, and I'm sorry to ramble. I, you know, it's funny about doing these phone interviews. I can't see your eyes for the social cues <laughs> when you want to talk. That's that's quite all right. You know what? Even if you could, I, I feel like it would probably sound the same. But uh, I would have to say that your old show, I know you eventually changed it to the, the Tom Kelly show, but when it was called This Show Again, that was definitely the first podcast that I ever downloaded. But I, I didn't have an iPod, so like I would download it, burn it onto CDs, and uh, listen to it in the car. You know, That was, that was how I would listen to uh, the early episodes of your podcast. And now I'm getting replaced by, I mean, here's the hard part with all internet content, actually bringing it back to that. Uh, in the year 2006, you could put up a video of a monkey and it would get uh, 100,000 hits no matter what. Right. Uh, or you could do a, and you could do a thoughtful thing and it would get 100,000 hits no matter what. Now you're getting drowned out by chimpanzees. Uh, Vanilla Ice was a jerk in the airport today. Yeah. Uh, and, and also even with podcasts now, you have a well-crafted podcast that has roots in real radio, and you're getting drowned out by every douchebag who figured out how to hit record on an iPhone. There are a lot of douchebag podcasts out there. In fact, uh, because I know he doesn't listen when he's not here, our friend Will has a douchebag podcast that he does now. Uh, so, uh, but you know he, what? It's he's great. the one who was hitting on his cousin, right? No, that is uh, Liev, a.k.a. Bujenski, and uh, Jeff, who's on the other side of the glass, is, is not him, but he knows him very well. And, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, Bujenski used to uh, basically talk on the podcast about how hot his 17-year-old cousin was. And he has a look, at, Jeff has a look on his face, before I let him talk, where there's, it's just sort of like a, a half a smirk, not even a faint hint of surprise. Is that correct, Jeff? That is absolutely correct. Because There's he probably nothing surprising. Because about he probably that. told you how hot his cousin was. It wasn't a bit for the radio. Here's here's why I know that he wasn't joking about that because he didn't tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is how you know that's not a joke. But uh, anyway, but but to your point, Tom. Yeah, it, it's uh, there is so much content and it's hard to keep up with. And you know, in the course of a couple weeks ago. Uh, basically every day except Saturday, I was part of something posted on the internet myself, either as a host or a producer. And, uh, you know, so I'm just contributing to all the noise, the glut of content. Well, you know what, you know what your broadcast needs, my friend, you need to solve a murder. Oh, this is the secret to a good. Now, do I need to solve a murder or prove that someone was probably wrongfully accused? Okay, there you go. I think this is your chance. Okay. Think about this. Uh, I think Blackcast <laughs> saves OJ reputation. Blackcast Investigations, LLC. Black well, <laughs> one, one thing I do have is I have a wacky bell, as you know. Now, I don't have a wacky yeah. horn. You had a wacky horn back in the oh, day, but the bell is pretty great. I think I have one. I, actually, I think it's in arm's reach. You know you're, living, <laughs> you know you're not trying to get laid in your apartment when you have a bicycle horn just on the bookshelf. 
<laughs> Agree to disagree. I always use that when I climax just so that she knows I'm done. Uh, but you also wear the giant oversized shoes as well. So well, that's your 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 lady has the clown fixation. I, I yeah. think, which uh, you know, will will tie into a conversation. I'm sure at some point. Anyway, go ahead, Tom. Tie it into. I could tie that into something right now. Actually. Please do. Um, my my friend Pete McGarrigle, who and you met Mike on uh, Mike McGarrigle, his brother is the one I did the podcast with. Right, sure. But my friend Pete McGarrigle, and I don't know why I'm saying his first and last name. Feel free to add him on Facebook. But uh, <laughs> did you just give a plug for Pete McGarrigle? <laughs> I just plugged an engineer's Facebook page. That's awesome. <laughs> but what's funny about Pete McGarrigle uh, in the year two thousand and two, he was dating a professional clown down in Fort Lauderdale. And we just wanted to mess with this poor guy. If it can, you know, we started coming up with jokes like every time he grabbed her boobs, he would hear, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and then he'd try to take her bra off, and it would take an hour because the bra. And this is hard to do when you can't see me, but the bra would just keep coming out, like you know, right? It was connected to like fifty other bras in different colors, and some of them oh. uh, wackily oversized. Uh, that see now, right there. If people don't know what comedy is, you know it when you hear it. That is comedy. I and it, and the, the real comedy was, and this was actually in 2001. I was working at the Rosie O'Donnell show on one of those little IMAX. Do you remember the giant IMAX computer? Uh, the one uh, yeah, that like, I, yeah, uh, I, I, I had one of those. Vibrator. I had one of those when I worked at, at SVU. The, the probably the worst. Com- like that was worse than a Commodore 64 because the expectations for the Commodore 64 were so limited. Yes, they were very few. But anyway, and then I looked at and this is the nascent days of the Internet, uh, when porn was not just as pervasive as you would think. And as a joke, I typed in clown porn. And pictures, which are still burned into my memory to this very day, <laughs> of clowns going down on clowns started popping up. And then what I did was, just to mess with him, we set up a uh, an email account, bubbles at cheerful.com. And started sending him clown porn every day. And then we would start, like, calling him on his and leaving messages on his home answering machine uh, with the song Be a Clown, Be a Be- Clown, Be a Clown playing while making sexual noises. <laughs> I, I love every part of this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, is so he's out of the clowning business now, would you say? Is that fair to... Uh, yeah, he hasn't <laughs> clowned around. <laughs> In a while. Wait, all right. This is this is uh, you know the meeting of comedy. We're gonna do a little duet. I'm gonna go three, two, and one, and then I'm gonna hit the bell, and you're gonna hit the wacky horn at the same time. So three, two, one. Yep. Also, the definition of comedy right there. Uh, I think Jeff might be looking at clown porn right now, and uh, I don't think he's impressed. No, I was just going through my old pictures of my ex-girlfriend Pennywise. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Florida, and believe it or not, there's actually going to be a connection here. Uh, it'll allow you to tell a story about an amazing chapter in the Tom Kelly story when the book is finally written. Uh, You know, there's an official green light for a reboot of Splash. Now, people who don't know you real well might not know why it's an outrage that you were passed over. So I feel like I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let you explain your history with mer people. Well, uh, it's a great story to tell. So in the year 
2006. God, I feel so old saying this. But 10 years ago, I had the most brilliant web TV show concept ever. Uh, and the concept was uh, Tom Kelly quits stand-up comedy to be a male mermaid show at a place called Wiki Wachee Springs, Florida. And if, you're, if you know rural Florida well, it's basically a roadside attraction that has uh, a glass wall built in a spring, and they have live, synchronized swimming mermaid shows. And my mission was to become the park's first merman, first male mermaid. And it was a very true thing. I made a lot of mistakes from a production standpoint, but I basically went down there by myself with 15 grand worth of camera equipment, which could now be re- replaced with a $200 iPhone. Yeah, and literally every part of it, including the editing, could be done on an iPhone now. It's heart-wrenching, <laughs> and it would be done as a 15-second blog on Instagram. Yeah. A real show. yeah, you'd have you'd and have a great series of vines. Yes, <laughs> and quite frankly, I do. Uh, or a boomerang, a three-second boomerang, make it even shorter. Uh, so, anyway, moral of the story was I was doing this web TV show about quitting comedy to be a male mermaid. I was getting a lot of press, and that's when I got the call to audition at The View. So uh, in a great irony in life, while doing a TV show about quitting comedy is what really launched my comedy career. And I was always <laughs> sad the show never sold, this Little Merman show never sold. But then part of me is wondering uh, if that actually worked out well for me. I heard a great Conan O'Brien interview on Howard Stern about how he stole Burt Ward's Robin costume. Oh yeah, no, I did hear this. But by the way, com- complete aside, I- I've now met Burt Ward within the last month because of a, a show I work on called The Tomorrow Show. Uh, so that was very exciting. But anyway, back to to your story. Well, I, actually, well, well, anyway, and the Burt Ward story was that Burt Ward, to make money later in life, would have to go to bar mitzvahs wearing a Robin costume. And my fear in life has always been, if that Little Merman did take off for a year or two, <laughs> would I be like Jimmy Walker having to go to birthday parties saying, Dynamite! You know, but in a mermaid <laughs> Uh, you know, I might, you know, I wish we'd had this conversation earlier because, uh, I should have, I should have hired you as a little merman for my 40th birthday, but, uh, now I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to save it for 50. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, so, Obviously, as a merman, you could have done a reverse gender splash. I mean, we have the reverse well, gender anyway, Ghostbusters. But, but, but more than that, let's be clear of this. Like, when I did this in the year 2006, and even still when you go down to this part of town, the, uh, the homophobia in the general region was crazy. And the idea of a male mermaid uh, was just freaked people out. And you would, you know, and it is, it's, uh, this is before Caitlyn Jenner. This is before people looked at me like I was a, a cross dresser, but I was just a dude who loved swimming in a mermaid tail. And, and I swear there's a difference. I don't know what, but there is a difference. Because of, you know, your costume, let's just say, I feel, and I might be wrong, but in my understanding is you did a, uh, chest waxing sequence before the 40 year old virgin. So again, if yeah. you'd been able to get this thing off the ground, you could have been in there first. Uh, exactly. There's a lot of, in fact, it's funny. You and I, uh, I think we have a lot of things. Christian had a website that was the onion before the onion. Uh, um, yes, I did. Inside joke TV, but, uh, it, it is know, indeed no more. <laughs> and I mean, and then I had, 
uh, Wedding Humor before Wedding Humor was big. I own IHateWeddings.com and still own the name. And then this mermaid thing, I was a Rosa Parks of male mermaids. I still stand by that. <laughs> I, I hope that that goes in your book, too, that you were the Rosa Parks. Well, you could have been the Rosa Parks of, of male mermaids, but because nobody knows your story, I, you know, I, I don't know well, exactly well, who. You know who I am? I'm the woman before Rosa Parks. <laughs> right. knows their name, and she didn't make a damn penny. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. Who's going to ask a guy in a mermaid tale to stand up, though? Like, for real, you're just going to fall. <laughs> you're just going to fall over. <laughs> That's exactly the point. You know, uh, talking about websites and uh, past ventures, uh, and and we are going to talk Star Trek in a moment, but uh, websites and past ventures, you know, this is a uh, political, uh, a presidential election year, and uh, I'll, I'll drop in a plug that uh, my show for uh, the AfterBuzz TV network, Trump versus Hillary, airs Tuesdays at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. You can find follow us on Twitter at Trump Hillary 16. I get my own plugs in while I have guests on. That's the way. Wait, so hold it, on. And, and I'm and I'm actually running to the laptop right now and you're going to be up one more plug. twitter.com Trump Hillary 2016. Just Trump uh, tr- uh, sorry, Trump Hillary 16. Actually, I think it's Trump versus Hillary 16. Now I gave my plug wrong. <laughs> well, I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're checking it. Yeah, I'm glad we checked it. Yeah, it's, it's Trump versus Hillary 16. Whoops. But anyway, uh, and, uh, you know... Just for the record, it's not that either. <laughs> it's not that either. So it must be Trump Hillary 16 then. I, you know, I, might, I, I must have had it correct the first time. But, uh, you know, this is this is great. It's a lesson in uh, bad social media plugging. And by plugging, I mean, you know, uh, and, you know, (laughs) the show focuses on the election. And I, of course, had a a mutual friend of ours, Shalair Miller, on via Skype. It was like one in the morning her time. And the people on the panel did not know uh, what hit them when a uh, very outspoken, funny as hell, uh, black woman who is a very voracious Trump supporter came on. It's you know, unlike anyone they'd ever met. Yeah, well, uh, Shalair Miller is uh, a great undiscovered talent, is the right way to put it. Uh, I think she and Sarah Haynes are on the list of sleepers, like people who we didn't know were going to be famous when we worked with them when we were younger, who are going to end up being more famous than all of us get together. Right, exactly. You know, uh, you know, Erica Rivanoia uh, has sold multiple screenplays. She uh, she writes on South Park as a, as a fun summer job, and she you know she's on Last Man on Earth now. She's always on something big. Uh, but what I have is the ability to say, "Hey, my plug was right the first time. It's at Trump Hillary sixteen. <laughs> it's not Trump versus. I what I really wanted was Trump versus Hillary, but somebody had taken it and they were squatting it, and so I, I had to improvise. And right there is a lesson in what happens when you improvise your social media handles. You don't remember them, <laughs> but anyway. Well, well, what time of night did you have to wake up to get this hashtag? Uh, there you are. There you are. I found it. I you, found you it. finally found it. So that's right, how long it'll take you, dear audience, if you want to follow. Followers, my friend. Oh, I, I just watched it go from thirty-one. Fl- you know what? Now we've got more than Baskin Robbins. Suck it. Yes. Anyway, so. Yes. I went into Plugville because I, I wanted to sort of talk for very briefly about this crazy 
and I do mean crazy uh, presidential election. But <laughs> let's go back 16 years when you got into the 2000 election with a website where you ran into a similar problem and could not buy the name you wanted. Wait, oh, Gorgal? Gorgals.com, because uh, Al Gore's daughters were hot, but you couldn't get Gore Girls because that was like the ladies of horror movies, right? Oh, yeah. It was a porno site. And again, that's another near miss. If Al Gore had become president, my friend, you and I would have a sitcom somewhere, <laughs> I swear. Uh, you and I would have sold a lot. We, we, you know, when you talk about if we could go back in time, uh, and I'm, I know I should be doing this for more than just an inside audience for our 30 friends. Uh, but if you and I could go back in time, Gore Gals would have taken off and we would have sold our next well, polyester venture and then we'd all be multi-billionaires. We, we would all be um, multi-billionaires. And, you know, the thing is that even we if we could go... A, and we would have a team five or whatever we were would be uh team six would be our open just oh, you, you mean girl six who performed at the uh nbc talent showcase but you know even if we could go back in time and you know gear things towards the winners i don't think we would have been able to get the website bush gals Ooh. Anyway, now uh, Jeff has a thought that he wants to get in. Well, you kind of you tried I to steal your my th thunder, but I did. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to embarrass you because mine's way better. Can't wait. Uh, you should have covered all your bases and also bought in the bushes. That would have yeah. been good. That you know. By the way, that should have been a show in the bushes. You know, because <laughs> there's two of them. Uh, yeah, because there's Jenna. Really weird. That's golf porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That's that's the porno version of Caddyshack, but yeah, because you had the two Bush girls. Uh, Jenna was super hot, and uh, Barbara was the one who kind of, um, what's the what's the politically correct way to say this? Oh yeah, she always had a cunt face. But anyway, um, what I was getting at though was uh, you know it, it's it, it's easy to try and you know hatch these ideas, but I feel like. It's too volatile, and you don't want to go anywhere near uh, TrumpGals.com, do you, Tom? Well, I think uh, anything. Uh, what's interesting with the Trump family, and you're seeing this now even in elections, is who is in boundaries and who is out of boundaries. What right. I liked about the Clintons in the 90s was they would, or what I didn't like about the Clintons and the Gores were they would say, our families are out of bounds. And then they would parade well, the family before the character. Okay. Cameras. Now, to be fair, though, like Chelsea was like 13 when they went into the White House, and there was sort yeah. of a, there was an infamous moment where, on you know, believe it or not, Rush Limbaugh had a TV show. Everybody talks about how widely successful he is on radio, but he had a TV show for like four months, and there there was a joke that they had, which was like. Uh, it, it, oh, I know what it was. It was, oh, and in, and in case you guys didn't know, you know, oh, there's Socks the Cat, but there's also a White House dog. And then they cut to a still photograph of Chelsea, a 13-year-old yeah. girl. And then they were like, oh, that was a mistake in the production. It was supposed to be to a, a different picture. Um just imagine, though, like a different picture of Chelsea. A different picture of Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. One, our bad. One where she wasn't smiling is probably what it was. So you know, it's. I, I know what you're saying, though, because if you use your family for the photo op, and you know, I mean, Chelsea now, obviously, she's a mom. She's she's an adult woman. If you want to make fun of her, go ahead. But um, what I'll say about Chelsea Clinton, 
if you could have bought stock in Chelsea Clinton back then, you know, when people were people were selling low, I I held out hope. I felt like it was all going to work out for the best. And uh, yep, don't have to talk about her politics or her family, but uh, she turned out all right. She gets one ding of the bell, just one. That's it. But that's just that's one right. ding of the bell. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, if, if, if Ivanka, Ivanka, on the other hand. But then there's Tiffany Trump, who gets like a half. Yeah. But anyway, what were you going to say, Tom? Kendall Gen- Tiffany Trump is a Kendall Jenner. Trump. <laughs> the Kendall Jenner. I forgot there was a Kendall Jenner, so you're absolutely right. They just keep, And also, too, if you look at Tiffany Trump, her body weight is 80% fake eyelash. <laughs> Well, have you know, she went to Wharton. Business she did go school. to Wharton Business School, but you know, she's obviously the the black sheep because she's Marla Maples' kid. You know, so you know how much did Trump really spend with her? Who knows? But it's it's cra- the point is, you know, it's a very volatile election. People have very strong feelings, and. All I try to point out to people who are, you know, just so anti-Trump is just, look, the way you feel about him is exactly how people feel about Hillary. So don't go out there and tell me that, oh, it's impossible. It, you know, it's around 50-50. You know, sometimes it's a little lower, a little bit. It, it's not that far off. And and Jeff works on a show where they probably talk about stuff like this all the time. What were you about to say, I was Jeff? just going to say that... It- if Chelsea's a dog, then Eric <laughs> Trump is like the shit dingleberry hanging off of the dog's asshole. Eric Trump Eric is Trump. the inspiration for the movie, the Purge movies. Wow. Like, oh, yeah. He's definitely that guy. And I only saw the first Purge, but he's like the guy knocking on Ethan Hawke's door yeah. and, and trying to get him to let them in like, before they They've people. already made a show or a movie about the Trump kids. It's called <laughs> The Most Dangerous Game. Like They definitely hunt humans for sport in that family. <laughs> Uh, that's See, that's also, uh, at Jeff Duray <laughs> made that comment. If you want to direct any feedback to that, what were Please. you going to say, Tom? No, Eric Trump, to his credit, is better looking in person. And I've met he actually is. Uh, I've worked with him on a couple of charity events. He doesn't know me by name, so I don't have to kiss his ass. Good. But I think the problem with Eric Trump is. Uh, he's probably very successful by Kelly or Blatt family standards. Oh, y- uh, look, I mean, come on, you know, Kelly or Blatt standards. I mean, you at least have the proud family tradition of the Kelly Blue Book, but um, I, I, of course, do not. <laughs> that's just just a little, little look, that little used just, car humor. That's all. That's all I got. Why did, why did I put the horn down? Um, <laughs> why did you put the horn down? Uh, I, I picked up a cup of coffee, and I, that doesn't I, work I've, well. I've known you for almost 20 years. You should always know that there's an opportunity for a wacky horn or a wacky bell. Um, but to tie up and, and move on from politics, you know, you're also a stand-up comedian, and you do warm up the crowds at The View, uh, where, you know, it's probably fair ter- fair game to make fun of Trump a little bit. But do you try to stay away from it, or is it just too rich of a playground to, uh, you know, to avoid entirely? You know, I mean, Trump is great for punchlines, and the crowd I'm working at is 80% Hillary Clinton. Um, and I do find the concept of a Trump presidency scary. I don't like Hillary Clinton. Uh, I voted for Bernie in the primary, even though I think Bernie was a communist. Um, Hillary, here's what's funny. Have you no decency, sir? There's a little American history joke for you. All right. Anyway, move on. Yes. 
No, but the moral, but anyway, keeping me moving here on poor Hillary is, uh, I have a, they laugh at the Donald Trump jokes. Nobody's laughing at the Hillary jokes. Like, did you hear about the Donald Trump sandwich? I have not. Uh, it's full of bologna and it's topped with Russian dressing. Now. Hey, I like that. Look, this is a respectful, this is a respectful ding of the bell because I like that joke. Well, that's, and that's stolen from the internet, but here, the rest is all me. Have you heard about uh, the Hillary Clinton sandwich? I have not. It's healthier for you, but nobody wants to eat it. I like that. That's solid. Did, did you hear about the Monica Lewinsky sandwich? <laughs> I definitely have not heard about that, no. I, I don't know what's in it, but I know it goes down easy. Now. No. Uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. Oh, wacky anyway, horn. Anyway. Uh, and then, uh, you know, but yeah, but they, people like to make fun of Trump. And what's really scary with Hillary is uh, uh, we're afraid because she might be, for some of us, she's the last hope for civilization. And like Trump is asking, why can't we nuke all these other countries today? And that just, I, I think Trump has become terrifying. But anyway, to know where New York politics is or New York crowds, before every show, I say, who wants Hillary to be president? And out of the 200 people, maybe 100 will clap. Okay. Then I say, who wants Donald Trump to be president? To teach him how to react, four will clap. Um, and then I'll say, who's sick of both of them? And everybody claps. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the scariest part about this election is going to be people who hate the both of them so much. We all just stay home, and it's it's decided by two people. I, I think that this would be, you know, very obviously, and look, a lot of people have said this, this would really be the time to make hay as a third-party candidate. You know, somebody that is much more like a Ross Perot than a Gary Johnson, who people don't know who he is, but he's still polling at like 13%, you know, because they liked well, somebody else. I, I voted Kodos, so. Oh, well, I voted for Kang, so we will have to talk about this, won't we? <laughs> Okay, but and on Gary Johnson, here's the thing. I got very excited about Gary Johnson, and then I listened to him speak, and I think Trump is a better choice, which is scary. Uh, on yeah. paper, I, Gary Johnson is a genius when you read his quotes. When you see him say them out loud, right. you want to say, where's the bomb? <laughs> Well, it, it, look, it'll be it'll be fascinating, and uh, obviously it, you can uh, find out about more sandwiches at TomKellyShow.com. And, uh, you know, I, I had uh, the the uh, RNC was first, so the first week we did three shows of Trump versus Hillary, and, you know, I, I, I laid into the Donald, and people were like, oh, my God, this show, it's like all anti-Trump. I'm like, wait till next week. Democrats are very funny, too, you know, and it's really unfortunate for the Clinton family that Hillary has the word liar in the middle of her name because they were able to deface signage in the room while she's speaking and have it just say liar. And it's like, yeah, nobody really thought about that. You know, maybe put it on different lines. Or There's there's ways around that, but they're like, nope, straight down Hillary just says liar. Jeff, your thoughts on that? Get rid of the female angle and call her Hillary. Hillary. There you go. Well, well, Perfect solution. One of, one of my conspiracy theories is that Trump really got into this election to get Hillary to win. 
And what I think is funny, even right now with this whole uh, the Khan family uh, tragedies, I secretly think Trump is just trying to throw the election so Hillary wins. But the problem is America hates Hillary so much. Yeah, we're still it's, willing it's to not going to work. I, I have I've heard that theory. I have certainly considered that theory over the course of the last year and a half. I think that even if that's the case. All of a sudden, the idea that he might actually be president is so tantalizing that he's like, "Oh no, fuck it! I'm I, I'm in. I, I'm I'm in it to win it." But uh, so I don't know. We, we shall see, as they say. And um, you know, it, it's. I mean, it, listen. My, my last thought on it is: sure, he's trying so hard to alienate people. He's alienated babies. Today. Yeah, I know. He chased so he chased good. a baby out of... Uh, he's like, no, I'm okay with the crying baby. The, no, the, I was kidding. The get best that part baby about that here. quote is when he calls the baby a baby yeah. in an insulting way. Like, come on, baby. He's like, ah, what a baby. A beautiful baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, obviously, not to marginalize the tragedy of uh, a family, a Gold Star family who, who lost their son. Uh, but it is unfortunately the perfect transition to open hailing frequencies and start talking about Star Trek <laughs> because <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, for a little background, and I don't know, I think we have talked a little bit either on the Blackcast or when I would have you as a guest when I would guest us on the Dennis Miller Show. I think we've talked a little bit about how. You were particularly not a fan of Into Darkness, but I don't remember. Were you okay with the the first, you know, the reboot, the J.J. Abrams uh, 2009 Star Trek? Okay, okay. here's how I treat the entire J.J. Abrams uh, universe now. This is how I get through it. I treat it like well-financed fan fiction that isn't really Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek nowadays isn't Star Trek. It's uh, Star Wars for people who like Star Trek. It, right. It's Star Wars with Captain Kirk. It's not a. It's not. It, it, JJ dumbed down the franchise. Uh, I found uh, the first movie uh, visually appealing. Um, I enjoyed the set design. The models kind of bothered me, but I bared with it. Um, but I found that JJ's first movie was written by the guys who wrote Transformers. Yeah, uh, or Orsi and Kurtzman. Yeah. Yeah, and if you put. Star Wars over Transformers, the first Transformers movie, and lay out the plot and where the developments happen, it's the same damn movie. All right, so uh, I, I, action, I, action, action, sure. Explains it. I completely understand that criticism, but as you were talking, I started thinking about the most awesome movie ever. So we've got Captain Kirk, Han Solo. And Optimus Prime. I don't care what they're doing. I just want the three of them involved. And it's kind of like a buddy comedy, but, you know, there's obviously some trouble on the way. <laughs> Maybe just a remake of Cannonball Run with Star Trek, Star Wars, and Transformers characters. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's other people in the J.J. Abrams verse, too. You know, you could probably, you could get, uh, you could get... You could get Pacey from uh, from Dawson's Creek because he was on Fringe. You know, look, you could you could do an amazing. I think that Optimus w- would make a great uh, replacement for the main character in the show, Alias, because he could just transform into the different aliases. He could transform into the different well, aliases, uh, and he has I, a bigger rack than Jennifer Garner. Oh man, I broke the bell. There it is. Anyway, what were you going to say, Tom? But I think no, I think you're out to something with your original idea there. It's a uh, cannonball run with Han Solo <laughs> and Captain Kirk bringing beer across the country, 
And Wait, no, that's Smokey and the Bandit. Hold on. You've mixed your Burt Reynolds. I might throw you off the phone right now. You mix up oh, your Burt yeah, Reynolds I... movies. Cannibal Run oh. was a race to see who can get to uh, California first. Now, Smokey and the Bandit was to try and get cores out of state. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll okay, allow fine. it, though, because Smokey I've known you for so long. Uh, damn it. Why am I here? I don't know. Um... What happened? <laughs> I don't know. Something dropped. You both. You all dropped first. No, no, no. I just, I just cut my mic so that uh, you could keep talking, and uh, then you're like, "Why am I here?" I'm like, "Wait, he's, he's really wondering legitimately why he's Got here." A little existential. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why are we all here? Uh, tweet at Tom Kelly Show and tell him why we're all here. But um, I have nothing to offer this show right now. No, 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 no. That's all right. We'll move past the uh, the uh, Burt Reynolds infraction, but that is ton demerits. Uh, I recently watched the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek, uh, rewatched it for the first time because at the Hollywood Bowl they had an orchestra performing the score along with the movie, which was great. And I was reminded that I actually really did like it. Um, I understand why, you know, diehard Star Trek fans didn't. But what I usually say to try and rile them up is, oh, you don't like it because this one's actually exciting and it's fast paced and they don't sit in the boardroom and talk about science. But I also like that stuff, too. So I'm usually just being a dick when I say that. Yes, Jeff, your thoughts before I let Tom chime in. Well, I would just say that I enjoyed. So as someone who... I feel like the the new Star Treks were more aimed at like my generation, a right. generation where the under thirty crowd. Yeah, yeah. Because look, the best that we had was Star Trek: The Next Generation. Because everything after that, I never watched. Uh, Nor should you. Yeah, and that was the impression Ooh. that I got. Oh, okay, so I like Deep Space Nine, but Voyager was garbage. But anyway, you can you can respond there's, and rebut to all of it. But let me let well, Jeff there's, finish. There's like the original run of Star Trek, and then there was Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yep. And for for the by and large, my understanding of the Star Trek fandom. That's what people are fans the, of. They would definitely say that those are the, their favorites. I, I, you're going to have exceptions where people are like, oh, Enterprise was amazing. But there are not that many people. But anyway, so this is geared more towards people who maybe don't even have that yeah, understanding. You, there's a huge difference between the way that you can develop a TV series versus you can develop a movie and or even a film franchise. And I feel like that's what that's the big difference here. You have to have a reason for people to want to sit in their seats for two hours. It's not like 30 to 40 minute digestible blocks once a week where you can bog down into like boring science talk. Right. I mean, with the TV shows, there's obviously just budget constraints where you need to have, especially on Next Generation, I don't know how, if you timed the amount of minutes over the course of the seven seasons of the show, I think there were seven seasons, maybe six, uh, how much time they spent in that boardroom talking about what was going to happen instead of just showing us what would happen. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Even as a kid, I understood. It's like, oh, yeah, they can't show us that. That's too expensive. But, um, yeah, I, I always... I always loved the characters of Star Trek, but I, I liked, you know, I like a mock time. I like when they fight, Tom. You know, I like when it, when there's action. Uh, I, I like a piece of the action to uh, well, borrow from. They should episode. just add Worf into this series. Uh, if Worf could end, if yeah, I'm sure Worf would. Uh, Michael Dorn would be happy to just, you know, they won't even explain it away. Like there was one of the Next Generation movies where they're like. Lieutenant Worf, what are you doing here? Oh, it's actually very funny. And then they explained it off camera because they, they're they like, who cares? Yeah. I love Worf. Anyway, all right, Tom. Michael Dorn had a, I mean, side note on that. Michael Dorn had a Kickstarter uh, or a GoFundMe to do uh, Star Trek The Worf Chronicles. 
I would watch yeah, that. Fan, in. fan fiction. I, I'm, I'm in uh, for anything Worf wants to do. As long as you got no. cool shit on your face, I'll watch your show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I want him to be involved in this chat. <laughs> but you know it's a, it's a decent point you know uh all right so there there's a lot to respond to there so listen to respond to everything you guys said the, the the big gist you had was listen star trek was ready for a change uh the last two next generation movies were a step above unwatchable uh out of star trek enterprise if they did uh 24 times four was if they did uh almost 100 episodes of the show um, only four were really worth watching, maybe seven. Uh, and you're right, 80% of Voyager was crap too. Uh, that being said, I think JJ missed an opportunity. Uh, I think the, the first Star Trek, uh, the, the problem with the, all three of the movies, in fact, is that JJ Abrams has trouble, uh, creating a villain we identify with. Frankly, he had the same problem with The Force Awakens. Uh, I really didn't hate Snoke. I didn't know what the hell a Snoke was. And Kylo Ren, uh, was kind of whiny. And I think that's one problem all J.J. Abrams projects have is a villain that you want to hate. And that was missing from all the movies. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, I found that he was true to the spirit of the characters in all three movies. And Star Trek Beyond was just a lot of let's blow stuff up for no reason. And a lot of it could have been fixed with just simple writing. Uh, a lot of simple fixing the writing. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree with with a lot of that. I, I do definitely feel that uh, they were entertaining. Um, I didn't dislike Into Darkness as much as some people do. Although I have to admit, I was planning on rewatching it before I saw Beyond, but I just didn't have the time. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. The, but, it's the first movie again and less interesting. And, yeah, and I, they, I thought did a worse job. Well. With, one the, of the more interesting characters. Not to get bogged down on, on the movie that everybody pretty much says that they hate. The problem <laughs> with Into Darkness was, at the end of the first one, you're like, great, he's the captain, they're going to go off and explore the cosmos, and then it's like, oh, you're not captain, we're on Earth for pretty much the whole movie, and then at the end, it's like, okay, now remember when we said that you were going to get to go, you know, explore the galaxy, now you get to. So it's almost like... You know, they Star Trek Beyond is the movie that should have been second. Um, because at the end of the day, I found it to be fun. I found it to be entertaining. I love those characters. I do think that they did a great job casting these, you know, whatever you want to call them. The the reboot cast, I think, is great. I, I think that they work mm -hmm. well together. I think that uh, Carl Urban's Bones is fantastic. And he's unsung is why I'm starting with him. Because he's very underappreciated just how funny he is and it's like if you don't know the show that well you kind of forget how great bones was you know and he really gets an opportunity to shine here scotty shines a lot in this one but that's because he wrote the fucking movie yeah so, so I, yes like right away it's like oh boy look there's you know uh, uh iso close up on just simon Pegg. Oh, welcome back, Captain. And it's like, all right, do we like just put the rest of the crew in the shot? Well, what you missed was all the scenes that got cut where Simon Pegg wrote in, like Scotty does double backflip, punches girl, <laughs> makes out with hot chick, yeah, titties well, blazing, well, sweet. Let's put it like this: though, it's the first time in the fifty years of Star Trek. Scotty's had sexual tension with anybody. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, I know. The the, time, the interesting fact: the only time uh, Scotty had a love interest. 
she wound up dead, and he was accused of rape in Into the Fold. And that it turned out the person who killed his girlfriend was Jack the Ripper, the, reincarnated on another planet. Right. And the, yes, that's an actual plot line. That is an actual plot line. But From the, Doctor Who, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that does sound like a Doctor Who plot line. That's a great observation, Jeff. But um, the Scotty, the Montgomery Scott that I like, the only date he ever wants is with his technical journals. You know? He just doesn't uh, see beyond that. He hangs out with human shit, so... Oh, well, that's that's Simon Pegg, Scotty. Yeah, I know. But that that's true. I do like that character. Though, that, that little I, don't even, I forget his name and that's probably speech. Shitface. his name is not Shitface you should shit love face. him because he has shit on his face I do love Shitface alright as, as long as you yeah I'm just giving him his proper um, name but uh, you know I think that for me probably the big problem was that you know, I, look, I'm I'm invested in Kirk and Spock, and you have them separated for most of the movie. But I think that that does just heighten the fact of they realize, like, oh yeah, we can't break the band up. You know, and I I, I guess I I was a little bit invested, and in, I I know some people who've had that thought that they just weren't as invested in the characters. Um, I, I don't know. I I just thought it was well, it was a fun space romp with with old friends. <laughs> and is it great? Is it like one of the best Star Trek movies? No, but. Uh, it will now and forever be the first Star Trek movie that my now one-year-old son Felix saw, Tom. I brought him to it, so he's he's seen this one now. And then Donald Trump kicked him out of the theater. Yeah, Donald Trump did not want him in there, that's true. Yeah, he was climbing up the stairs a lot during the movie, so Trump would have definitely but, been pissed. But, uh, but, uh, but to your point, listen, it, it's actually it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing on the big screen. Quite frankly, this has been a very forgettable summer, and right now... Uh, to tell your listeners, I have not seen Suicide Squad yet, which is getting awful reviews. Uh, I saw Ghostbusters, which was very forgettable, but enjoyable yet forgettable. And I think what, what I, I'm not upset that it's a bad movie. I think I'm upset that it was a mediocre movie. But they blew up the Enterprise. And I well, think, uh, uh, yeah, I did want to get to that. Always do that yeah, that's the problem. Is like, yeah, I know they. I, I it's you know what I always talk about in terms of of Batman on the screen is I don't ever need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne killed again. And a friend of the Black Cast, Jason Blair, uh, he, he made this point, and it was before I'd seen the movie, but I, I did know that from the trailer that the Enterprise got dis- uh, destroyed. Spoiler alert, too late, everybody. Uh, I'm, no, definitely, and- I'm definitely anesthetized to seeing the Enterprise destroyed, whether it's the classic OG Enterprise, the A, the B, the D. It's like, all right, I get it. The only one that mattered was when in search, uh, the search for Spock, when they did the long drawn out self-destruct and the beautiful image of Klingon Christopher Lloyd get out of there get out of there like that's amazing that that was like you know that meant something now it's like oh we blew up the Enterprise but don't worry here's a new Enterprise well and and this is a great line to the first Kelly had a line around when Star Trek 3 the search for Spock came out was he felt that destroying the Enterprise was more damaging to fans than killing Spock in Star Trek II. And he's right. By the time the movie came out, uh, you know, and I think by the time the motion picture came out, the Enterprise, even though it was totally different sets and whatnot, you were told and made the believe and we were willing to go along with the, the gang was home and that the Enterprise had gone out for at least one, if not two or three, five-year missions with the same people hanging out. Um, my, one of my big problems with Star Trek Beyond was uh, Kirk blew up the ship halfway through the five-year mission. 
Why yeah. did they give him another ship name Enterprise? Who the hell cares? You know. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, right. Why exactly. Did they give him another ship, even at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he. I don't know if he's. Re- well, I guess you know he did. He did save that space station. So I guess they're like, well, we don't want to give you another ship, but I guess we have to. Uh, were you going to say something, Jeff? Well, I was going to say during the movie, I leaned over like right after that and was like. So you'd think they'd stop naming ships Enterprise <laughs> after it keeps getting blown right. up. But then in th- this is the first ship named Enterprise that they destroyed. So, you know, maybe at some point... What was the stop. name of the ship that they blew up in the last movie? Oh, uh, that was the USS Kelvin. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, Wait, but they blew up... They beat the hell out of the Enterprise they, pretty bad. But they didn't... Do, yeah, but it, but she was still uh, seaworthy, as it were. Um, and to sort of uh, get back to the J.J. The Abrams universe, they did realize that this is the one sort of... You know, this is the one fan base that you needed to make sure that you weren't telling them, oh, everything you loved is garbage. We've thrown it all away now, and we're starting over. You know, they did, like, they had the very clear, this is a, a separate timeline from the one that you loved. It's still there, and they even had, you know, Leonard Nimoy in both. And uh, I thought that was kind of touching to acknowledge uh, his passing. And I might have gotten a little choked up when uh, Zachary Quinto Spock, a.k.a. Kelvin Spock, is going through Spock Prime's belongings, and he sees that cast photo circa Star Trek V. It might have gotten a lump in my throat, but, you know, I would not confirm nor deny that. I was upset about Anton Yelchin. Well, that's super sad. That he, that he died in real life. Yeah. yeah, I know. And it's like you felt that, like... That he survived the crashing of the Enterprise, but couldn't survive parking a Jeep. Yeah. I, I should hit the bell, right? I, I just don't know. Um, it's sad because you just feel like... Well, especially after he just clashed with Picard in his last movie, Green Room. I, didn't, I did not see that, really. Oh, yeah. Picard's in that movie. Yeah. Wow. He's the bad guy. Look at that. Um, so, Tom, we had a uh, conversation earlier in the summer, uh, and this this will be for hardcore Star Trek fans. Um, I referenced Star Trek V as the worst Star Trek movie, mostly because of Shatner's directing, but also it did not feel very Star Trek because they're like going to go to the end of the universe basically to meet God. Um, and it, it really did follow that the even-numbered movies were the good ones, you know, uh, f- all the way through uh, First Contact, I think, was great. And then Insurrection was like a really bad two-part episode that they put on the big screen. Which one was Insurrection? Is that the Borg one? No. First Contact was the Borg one. Okay. That was a great one. Insurrection is very forgettable. It's like on a planet. And I, I think I Was oh, that the one with like the waves of like, everything's cool now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I, I used to have the hardest time following Star Trek movies. So I grew up where like my dad and his friends and all that stuff, they liked sci-fi they liked the all the different stuff but i was never in like a specific fan base so i watched all the star wars all the sure. star trek stuff alien all that stuff that was coming out and i found that whenever i would watch some of those i guess they would have been uh next generation cuz I, I don't yeah. think i saw enough of like the original star trek movies they would just go on to a point where i'd be like it's not over yet and i would just <laughs> get bored every single time i i, I was a little kid yeah, but but even so, I just feel like these movies do a better job for that ADD, not hardcore fan, and that's what you got to do when you're putting hundreds of millions of dollars into a movie. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's why they you know picked JJ to do Star Wars. You know, they 
know what they're doing in terms of you know who makes movies for modern audiences but for old timeies uh, old time fogies like tom and i uh tom what and we're just talking about the original movies we can include next generation but you know the pre jj abrams movies which one do you think is we don't have to rank all of them but which one do you think is the worst star trek movie Oh, well, it's funny. I, I have uh, been working on a list here. I think... Oh, if you have a list, you can you can rattle it off. That's fine. I didn't want to put you on the spot. From, I'll go from worst to best, and I feel like I'm missing one. I'm trying to figure out what movie I'm missing, so we'll figure out what I missed later. Okay. Uh, or, or maybe it's 30, but I, I think the worst movie is Star Trek Nemesis, which was the last Next Generation yeah, movie. It was not great. I, I just... Tom I thought, Hardy's in that. Tom Hardy is in that. Um, I just thought that... Uh, Insurrection was boring, and while Nemesis wasn't great, it wasn't boring. But I, that's not a bad choice. It's well, it's not I think good. From both for, for both of those movies, I think that's where uh, we found out that they just ran out of tricks for Star Trek. If that makes sense, like I mean, yeah, had, because uh, it was basically movie. still the same people involved, and you know, I mean, the but, TV but like, shows uh, weren't like, around much longer. There was, so, there was just too much Star Trek at that point, like. They rammed the Enterprise into the enemy ship, but they did that in an episode of Star Trek Voyager and actually did it better. Uh, in Star Trek Insurrection, uh, they're in such an intense battle, Riker needs to take the con, and then Riker's steering the ship at the con, but he feels like that's not enough, and then, then he needs a joystick to steer the ship, you know, the emergency manual steering column. And I always felt like that's the moment in my life when the emergency manual steering column goes up in Star Trek Insurrection. That's the moment when I realized Star Trek is just a TV show. <laughs> like, it's not a real, like it, yeah. like, it used to be, like, a real, and, you know, it's funny, and that's the one thing that made the old Star Trek great was for, for, for nerds like me and maybe, I think, like Christian, too, it felt like something that could be real one day. Right. Uh, it was it was a future. It wasn't a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You're like, yeah, this could be our future. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Tom being such a, uh, a diehard Star Trek fan, uh, I, I, I'll just mention that his, uh, his AOL address and instant messenger name had 1701 at the end of, you know, his name basically. And, uh, you know, it was just like, yeah, I, I need the 1701 there. You know, it, it's, it was, it, it's my thing, and it was my way of reaching out to nerds. Yeah, because uh, it was a lot harder. Yeah. Okay, so are you saying that those so are the two worst, though? So those are the two worst, yeah. I think. Uh, and then right behind is JJ's Into Darkness. Uh, and then this is where the list starts getting more colorful. Uh, so the, the Star Trek Into Darkness, which you and I have ranted about before, it was a very well-financed uh, mess of a movie. They pissed away Khan. Um yeah. You know, it was it was just but but it looked great. It was visually stunning for to uh if I watch it on mute, I love it and I love the hot chick in the bikini. That was hot even though it dumbed down women. Uh then we start getting into older Star Trek movies. Uh Star Trek 5 The Final Frontier would be the worst would be the third worst original series movie. Right. Uh then followed by the motion picture which you have to remember was brilliant for 1979. Yeah, I mean, visually it's, it's great. And it's a it's a rare example where the movie is it at least flows better and and the story's more interesting. As much as people don't like that movie, the 
uh, extended version that has like 12 more minutes. It just sort of, it all worked better. And I, I just kind of remember there were some better moments. Um, I haven't seen it in forever, but you know, our mutual friend, Ron Mata, whenever his son can't fall asleep, what does he do? He puts on Star Trek, the motion picture, 10 minutes in, he's out. So, uh, yeah. there's something to be said for that kind of power. I think they're all on Amazon or Hulu, right? Now. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to yeah. end up, uh, yeah, they, I think they're on one of those. I think that they'll all be on Netflix at some point because well, of... But I think right now they're, right on, now Amazon they're on Amazon. Instant. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good because, uh, you know, maybe I'll try and put Felix to sleep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so motion picture, that's a that's a pretty good place for it, I would say, yeah. And then they start getting better. Then you get the 2009 Star Trek. I think Star Trek Beyond was better than the 2009 Star Trek in a lot of ways. Um, it was a good continuation of the 2009 story. Uh, whereas I, what made the Star Trek 2009 a good movie was it did have the energy of the band coming back together. Uh, and then uh, going down the list, uh, Star Trek Beyond, uh, Star Trek Seven Generations, uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and again, we're building up to number one. I yes, we like are. Jason here. Uh, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, and then my top three, uh, oh, my, my top four Star Trek movies ever are uh, Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan, uh, Star Trek VIII, First Contact, and then Star Trek Three: The Voyage Home. It's Star uh, Trek IV. Star Trek IV is The Voyage Home. Uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Voyage Home. Star Trek Three is a search for Spock, which is not great, but the amount of excitement I had, the fact that they found Spock and he wasn't dead anymore, I have to, you know, it's sort of like one of those movies that I grade on a curve, even though, like, you know, sexy Kirstie Alley's not in it anymore. Uh, you know, they replace her with Robin Curtis. That's that's a huge downgrade. I was so excited that they found Spock again. Um, Christopher Lloyd is great in that movie. So uh, that's not one of my favorite favorites, but uh, that, yeah, so Search for Spock is pretty good. But uh, yeah, the uh, at least you know from the time I saw it for a long time thereafter, uh, the Voyage Home was, was just my favorite because it was a Star Trek movie, it was a Star Trek story, but it was also funny. And then they tried to be funny in Star Trek Five, and the story was so bad that just the comedy fell flat. So Star Trek Four had kind of the perfect mix, and you know your great Star Trek stories do tend to involve time travel. Yeah, and but you know what it's too you pointed out a great one and I think this is one thing that uh Simon Pegg did right with this movie is uh that with with, with Star Trek uh the humor stems best when it comes from the characters not just from punchlines. Yeah, Scotty walking into uh you know like I know the ship like the back of my hand in Star Trek 5 and then he hits his head on like a beam. That's that's not where the comedy should be, you know. Uh, you know, Kirk teaching Spock about swearing. That's comedy. So, yes. Yeah. The uh, awkwardness. There. So did we, did we get um, through your list or is. Yeah, we pretty okay. much got through okay. it. I'll give, you, I'll give you, I'll give you something to put up on your website, on your, uh, one of your many Twitter feeds for later. That, that's true. We've got we've got the at Black Cast Twitter, and uh, we will we'll put that up. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah. Look, I'm glad that uh, there are Star Trek movies now. There was kind of a period there for a while where there weren't and you know we know pretty much nothing about it but i'm excited about the prospect of a new star trek series uh star trek discovery 
And they've made it very clear uh, that it's in what they call the prime timeline, the not the Kelvin timeline. It's not the J.J. Abrams timeline. But judging from the ship, the uh, the the number is is lower than one seven zero one. I was just listening. Uh, shout out to uh, Sci Fi Weekly on the Popcorn Talk Network. Uh, Zach Wilson hosts that, and I was listening to that uh, last week, and he pointed out that the the number on the Discovery is ten thirty one, which I remember because it's Halloween. Uh, so it's a lower number than uh, the Enterprise. So that that and the look of the ship tells us it's probably going to be that time period before the original Star Trek. So uh, as, as well, we sort of wind down with you, Tom, uh, your thoughts on this Star Trek discovery uh, looming well, with, well, and actually, this is the one thing where if I offer one nerdy piece of uh, expertise, this is it. Uh, the design of that ship at one point uh, for 1979 Star Trek The Motion Picture, they had farmed out a number of uh, concept ideas to different artists. And the guy who did all the original art for Star Wars, I think it's Ralph McQuarrie? Yes, that, that uh, is indeed his name, the, yeah. Okay, he's the guy who designed R2-D2 and all these other things. He designed a concept for a refit USS Enterprise. And Brian Fuller, the executive producer of Star Trek Discovery, won't comment on this for legal reasons, quote-unquote. Um, but this Discovery is Ralph McQuarrie's 1979 Enterprise concept. So fans like me are thinking, will this fit into the concept of Star Trek around the uh, the period between the five year mission and the movies? Yeah, no. Look, that's. I mean, it's an interesting point. It'll be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, look, and we know so little about it. it, it it's it's silly to talk too much about. Um, I did like some of the little touches in Beyond, by the way, that you know they end up wearing the uniforms that are from the era of Enterprise, which was a series that I have not seen that much of, and I didn't yeah. really love it. I love I loved uh, Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap. I'm not an NCIS New Orleans guy, but I do like him. I do feel like that's something that I'll watch. I've kind of been given a list of some episodes that were really good and they kind of fill in some things that I've always wondered about uh, you know sort of like the you know we don't discuss with outsiders why the Klingons used to just look like guys and then as Jeff so eloquently described they ended up being dudes with shit on their heads you know so apparently that is ex- that's that's apparently explained at some on point. their face on their face you're right you're right it's not they're not shitheads they're shit faces <laughs> um, that's apparently explained in Enterprise and there's like you know a black ops division Vision 31, which could also refer to the uh, the number on the ship. So there's there's some interesting things to get from that. But the point being, I liked some of those little touches in Beyond. Was you know the fact that they had those uniforms and that our cast, some of them actually wore those you know because they had to change into them. So I like some acknowledgement to the universe that exists before poor. Uh, George Kirk, aka Thor, uh, was uh, was murdered. Yeah. Was murdered by Eric Bana, aka Hulk. I just realized that's some crazy shit that oh happened my gosh, right there. I'm just putting that together now. Yeah. too. that is weird. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jeff? Uh, I have like a legitimate question, and I may sound like a total idiot. Why did it change from red shirts being basic crew to being officers? Uh, very good question, that's a, and nobody's really explained. Yeah, it, it's true because you know Scotty always had the red shirt, and I honestly think it was it was not carefully thought out. I mean, Hoor always had red, um, but I don't know anybody. You know, 
Well, maybe we'll ask that question to, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a couple final minutes with our friend uh, Mark Hunt, and uh, maybe we'll see if he has any answer. Yeah, I know. Every every time he's on, I always do that, and it's it's become a bit of a running joke. Uh, anyway, Tom, I know it's late back there, so uh, we will have to have you back on the Blackcast much sooner. Uh, obviously, if you have to uh, come out to LA for another Butterfuco wedding or anything, uh, please let me know. We'll we'll get some okay. we'll get some studio time. But uh, well, listen, man, I'm glad you're keeping it going. I listen to you guys. Uh... Uh, not as often as I should, but when I'm on a really long drive, you guys make the drive bearable. So please keep these coming, man. Oh, we we uh, we we do what we can. We're we're on the we're on the cusp of 200 right now. So now it's just like it's a sense of pride to just keep it going. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, Tom Kelly at Tom Kelly Show. Uh, we'll talk to you soon here on the Blackcast, and I'll talk to you soon in my private life as well. I won't do all of my I business. So. Yeah, I won't do all of my business on the podcast. Anyway, Anyway, so thanks so much, uh, Tom Kelly. Uh, we've got a few more minutes here, and I did want to bring in another uh, Star Trek voice, uh, a great friend of the Black Cast, our friend Rafe Gutman, a.k.a. I did it before, I'll do it again, Mark Hunt. Hunt. Welcome back to the Black Cast, Mark. Um, now, I'll tease something that we're going to do in a future episode. It's not going to be for a little while, but you're going to give me a list of best episodes or or I guess stories because they're all in like in four parts or whatever you're going to give me for each of the seven original doctors for Doctor Who you're going to tell me what the best stories are and you know we'll kind of put it out there we'll give everybody time to watch and then we will uh, we will basically kind of trade notes and super geek out on that but that that is not why we're here today we're here today to talk about Star Trek, and before we talk about Star Trek Beyond, uh, Jeff had a very specific question that I don't know if you could hear him on hold, but uh, Tom did not know the answer. I do not know the answer. Uh, Jeff, just ask it very simply what the question was. I just wanted to know why red shirts went from basic crew to officers. Do you know the answer, Rafe? It's all right, uh, Mark. You mean in... In uh, Star Trek, generation? it's just Star Trek yeah. in general. Uh, you know that the the red shirts aren't just for everyone in the crew. You know, Scotty. Well, Uhura. no, it's not, or not just for officers because Scotty's an officer and Uhura's an officer, so, and they were red shirts. Well, it, the to my knowledge, and the, and and like I said, so so uh, this is how I I know it. You got the original Star Trek where the captain, like the very high up, wears that yellow. Which eventually yeah, became like Data's command. color. Uh, Anybody in command wears. Yellow. Oh, I see what you're saying. So Anybody? on Next Generation, Picard and Riker have the maroon color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Data wears the yellow, and then everybody else right. wears blue. He would correct whatever. you, by the way, that his name is Data. Data, Data. Yeah, he <laughs> got very upset with uh, Doctor Pulaski, I believe, uh, when she called him Data. Uh, but he couldn't get upset at that point. He didn't have his emotional programming. Yet, he was fully functional. But anyway, we're going down quite the rabbit hole. So we don't really know what the reasoning behind that is for the next generation that all of a sudden red became the color. Yeah, is that... do you remember, that deep, remember the Deep Space Nine episode where the crew of Deep Space Nine went back in time and they were in the episode of Trouble, Trouble with Tribbles? Sure. And they, pointed, and they even pointed that out. They're like, oh, this is back in the day when Command War, Gold, and Engineering 
wore red, and they they, yeah. kind, of, they kind of made note of that in that episode. Maybe they just thought Picard would have looked weird and yellow, and and they, they just behind stuck the it. scenes. I think that's the real yeah, one. Yeah, that's probably the real reason. They just thought he looked. Dorky and red. I mean, uh, well, red's, red's a more commanding color than that, like weird pukey yellow. No, I think that the the <laughs> red is a, is a solid choice, you know, for sure. Um, but anyway, people can obviously let us know what they think at Blackcast or the Blackcast on Twitter. Uh, no, on Facebook. Um, so, Rafe, I wanted to just give you a few minutes to share your thoughts on Beyond, um, Star Trek Beyond, obviously. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Our previous guest, Tom mm-hmm. Kelly, was, you know, he, he was okay with it, but he's hardcore Trek purist, and he just doesn't like the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed it because it was fun. It was fast-paced. I love these characters. I love the cast of the Bad Robot, the Kelvin timeline, as it mm. were. Uh, but uh, just take a couple minutes and give us your thoughts on Star Trek Beyond. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I'd be the same way. I loved it with a little asterisk on it. I loved it for what it was. And the, these movies are, you know, meant to be fun. They're not they're definitely not classic Star Trek, but it's those characters in kind of a new action-packed formula. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was... Um, I loved the references. I loved... Especially if you're a Star Trek Next Gen- or um, Enterprise fan, there was a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of references that I didn't, I didn't even get. I just like that they use the uniforms. Uh, <clears throat> without spending too much time on it, what were some of the other references, you know, the well, Easter eggs for Enterprise fans, unlike Idris, myself? Idris, Idris Elba, they revealed that he was Mako. Sorry, was we, the, um, we lost you for a second there. What did they oh, reveal about Idris they, Elba? His, his character was a Mako, which was part of the Starfleet um, military before it became the Federation. And Enterprise fans will remember in season three of Enterprise, that's where they introduced the Makos. They were a squadron that was assigned to the Enterprise during the Zindi War. So that was so. If you watched Enterprise, especially season three, you're like, oh, a callback to the Makos. Yeah, so all right. So that's pretty cool. I, I like figured it. there had to be some co- kind of thing because there was definitely for me. Uh, there, there felt like we were supposed to know Idris Elba's ship, the Franklin and stuff, and I was like, never heard of it. Uh, no, it, not so much that, but the class. I mean, it's definitely the same class as that Enterprise. It was not ever established because I think at the at the point of Enterprise, Enterprise was the first one, right? The next zero one. So this is some time later, but right before the four. Um, Formation of the uh, right before the actual federation. Yeah, so well, actually after because as soon as they became the federation, he became the captain. They, they said they gave him yeah. right after the um, formation of the federation, which yeah. happens in like the final episode of Enterprise. Right now, what did you uh, what did you think about uh, some of the uh, some of the new characters? Uh, you know, uh, Jayla, who basically lived on the Franklin. Uh, I thought that there was a, a good rapport with Scotty. Um, and, you know, as we discussed with uh, Tom Kelly earlier in this episode, uh, that, you know, with Simon Pegg writing this script or co-writing the script, of course, all of a sudden, Scotty has sexual tension for the first time in the 50 years of Star Trek. Yeah, well, he did, he did kind of like that one girl that... Uh 
got brutally murdered in the classic series. Which is be like the spirit of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, or which is, but, it, it's not funny that it happened, but it's funny because that's the exact same thing that Tom <laughs> said. And oh. that, no, no, but that's great because that just shows like, you know, how hardcore and how deep the uh, Star Trek vaults go. Uh, but anyway, did you, I mean, I, I thought that the character worked well. It was fun to see her interact with everybody. You know, I don't need her to be in the next movie, but, uh, you know, if she turns up yeah. again, that's fine with me. Yeah, I liked her character a lot. I liked I liked the way they treated the characters that we already knew. I thought this was some of the best Spock McCoy. Yeah. This was great for like McCoy. I was reading an interview uh I don't know last week that uh Carl Carl Urban had considered actually not coming back because he's just like, yeah, I feel like McCoy kind of doesn't have that much to do and uh Justin Lin like assured him that there was going to be some great stuff. And yeah, the the stuff with him and Spock was great. I mean, that's like pure mm-hmm. Kirk and McCoy. Yes, Jeff. Well, I just felt like this episode one of the I don't know if it's a critique, but one of the descriptions I heard for beyond was that it was like an extended episode which i definitely felt that because it feels like once they all split off into their little pairings it's the a and the b and the c story yeah yeah i mean i kind of see this as if you know there was like of the jj abrams universe of the calvin timeline that they're like what you know in in sort of the way to look at this movie is that there was a tv show and i just missed a bunch of seasons of it but then these are the two episodes that they kind of edited together and put up on the big screen and i'm just like oh star trek i like that so i'm like yeah they're you know they've been out in space for like three years but that's fine it definitely felt like Star Trek, it felt probably more like Star Trek because they weren't feeling out their relationships like yeah. in the earlier films. It, there's it was no pretty well defined to the supposed issue with their relationship, right? Because you know for a fact there's no way Kirk is going to give up flying and yeah, Spock's going to be, stop being part of yeah, Star Trek to be a vice admiral. Um, you know, and then something that got a little attention uh, because uh, the fact that George Takei was outspoken against it. I thought the way that they, you know, have sort of a, a little cutaway that Sulu's family, you know, they, there's the little girl and he has a husband. It really wasn't... Sulu. Yeah. What did I say? Did I say Sulu? Or? No, you said, little, you said little girl, but yeah, she was yeah. in... She's, she was in uh, Star Trek Next Year, or Star Trek Generation right. as an adult. So, right, so it's the same. It's the same. It's the same girl, and yeah. you know, I think that you know, it, it it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, you know, look, this is the future. You know, people are uh, obviously much more uh, open and sort of less involved in people's lives than they were in 1960, 1966. Let me be specific and show that I know my stuff. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. It's just it's such a minor thing. And, you know, it was done as sort of a tribute to George Takei that uh, Sulu had a husband and he was so upset. And it's like, all right, well, you, you can't win. But uh, I know I thought it was a nice touch and it did kind of raise the stakes of, you know, Idris Elba's character. You're like going to that space station. You're like, whoa, Sulu's family's there. You know, like this, it's personal for him, you know? Yeah, I think that was that aspect of not the gay part, but the, well, to touch on the gay part, I, I thought it was interesting that in classic Star Trek, Sulu seemed to have a, every now and then had an eye for the ladies. He kind of was eyeing that female Klingon in Star Trek V, and the mirror universe Sulu almost raped Uhura. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, and and I think that that's what I think that that's what George Takei's problem was was that like you know there's kind of established the character is not gay and just altering the timeline, it sort of 
trivializes someone being gay and being born that way. And I understand all of that. But it, it, it was more they're trying to pay homage to him, you know. And just like at the end of the film, when they say to absent friends, it's kind of very carefully edited that we have sort of a lingering shot on Anton Yelchin, you know, because yep. there's not really anything you can do because he died after the movie was completed. So, yeah. you know, I, I, look, sometimes you just you take it for what it is. It's a nod to the real world. And um, yeah, I don't know. Awesome. I'm okay with that stuff. But yeah. the only thing... The only criticism I really had with the movie, and if you go back to Black Cat, what are Black Cats we did, the Into Darkness roundtable discussion? Wow, I can't even remember, to tell you the truth. That was so long ago. We, but anyway, well, you finish your point, yeah. It was you, me, and Lorich were talking, and I, the only said a thing I said about the next movie, they do this third movie, could we please not have another person driven by revenge attacking Starfleet again? And... After Nero attacks Starfleet headquarters and Khan attacks Starfleet headquarters, we have Idris Elba attacking a Starfleet base for revenge. So it's like, uh, I kind of felt they retreaded that. Yeah, and by the way, that was uh, Blackcast 17. That's how long ago that was. I checked yeah. my files. It's not fair to give them crap for there always being a bigger ship that is somehow destroying the Enterprise, <laughs> yeah. and there's always the yeah. exact same but, bad guy. Rafe, before you came on, I was just like, enough already with destroying the Enterprise. Like, oh, you know, no. save it. Like, do it later, you know? I'm just like, I, I, you know. Anyway, yes, Jeff. I want a movie where they just get, like, a little scratch on it, and Kirk just flips the fuck out. Yeah. He's just like, God damn! Damn it! No. God damn! And then he blows it up because yeah. he's like, "Look what you did, Spock." But uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, look, I'm interested in the fact that they're they're going to do. Uh, they've already talked about it. They're going to do another movie. You know, I was kind of thinking about how this cast was under contract for three of them. Uh, there's some like weird clauses to why Carl Urban wasn't under contract for the third one. But anyway, uh, the primary cast was, and I started to think. I'm like, oh well, are they going to want to do? a fourth one and then you start to think about everyone in it and you know some of the other things they're working on you know chris pine tried to be jack ryan and zachary kinto this is a great kind of cash cow while he does a lot of artsy things and some theater and i think the only one who could hold it up would be Uhura, because of how many movies Zoe Saldana's in, you know she's yeah. she's in multi she's she's in three huge multi billion dollar franchises. She's in you know Guardians of the Galaxy, part of the Marvel Universe. She's in for better or for worse. She's in Avatar, and she's in Star okay. Trek. So God bless her, by the way. She was in the right place at the right time. She got cast in these huge movies, and I'm glad to see though that everybody wants to come back. And you know we're starting to hear some rumblings about what. I don't want to call it Star Trek Four because that's the voyage home, but what this fourth Star Trek is going to be. Which it sounds like it's going to be time travel. I mean, like Star Trek Three, where they destroyed the Enterprise. Star Trek Four, I guess, is going to be time travel. Yeah. Like the original that's Star true. Trek IV, oh, that's a, it's a great, yeah, Star Trek Two had Khan. Star Trek Three, they destroyed the Enterprise. Star Trek Four yeah. is time travel. Yeah, and they're going to, uh, I don't know, I guess say a spoiler alert for people who don't want to know about a movie that'll come out in four Does years. Kirk go back in time and try and make sure that his mom and dad get together, and then he has to play at their jo prom. He plays Johnny B. Good at the prom, which would be amazing. But no, but it hit, but uh, Chris Hemsworth is actually in this fourth Star Trek movie, interestingly enough. So, Which seems odd, because it seemed like this movie focused Focused on the daddy issues. Yeah. Had well, I think it might have been like, setting that up, you know, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll every, see. every movie is going to be daddy issues because if you have daddy issues, it's for forever. Well, I, I can't even make light of it because, uh, you know, if anybody knows, <laughs> Captain EO knows. Uh, so, 
you know, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, very crazy, by the way, that, uh, Rafe, you referenced the Into Darkness uh, panel discussion from uh, May 16th, 2013. Uh, that wow. sounds so long ago, Black Cast 17. Um, somewhere uh, later on in the summer, I think uh, I'll have to listen to it to make sure, but I'll, I'll repost that episode because a lot of our older episodes, uh, actually the majority of the episodes, the first 120, uh, I guess 118 of those are unavailable because they were on the old Dennis wow. Miller shite. <laughs> shite. Well, that was <laughs> Freudian not... Slip. Freudian slip. Yeah, the Dennis Miller shite, but the old Dennis Miller uh, radio site. So uh, I'll have to put that up. Uh, I'm actually kind of interested to, to hear the conversation. Tom Kelly was on that one as well. So, uh, oh, you know, that's right. Yeah, so you see, it's uh, it, it goes all, all around. Um, and, uh, you know, we squeezed some Coltrane's corner in there, which seems unlikely. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, I wanted to give you a chance for any final thoughts there, Rafe. Uh, I, I know, I, I know your name's Mark, but I, I'm just in the habit of calling you Rafe. Okay. Uh, uh, any, anything, any excitement about, uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Beyond the new series, or is it just too hard to know what's Star going on? Discovery? Yeah. Oh yeah. See, I, I was trying yeah, to be I, too clever. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's kind of crappy that, like, everybody in the world gets it on TV and Netflix. And if you're in America or Canada, you have to pay. Yeah, I know. Well, that to subscribe, to but it. it's smart because they want to launch this platform, oh, and they I know Star Trek fans are going to pay for it, mm-hmm. or they're going to, you know, pirate it. So, yeah, Jeff just made a face. Wait, what's happening? The new Star Trek series is going to be. It'll premiere on CBS the network, but then it'll be on their app. Like their CBS, so it's like a pay app. You have like to pay a, for like it. It's HBO like a Netflix, now kind yeah. Of thing. But of course, <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, CBS. Not gonna work. Jeff's like, I'll get it for you. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. I'm excited about it. But uh, anyway, like, go ahead. And I like the. Well, I was gonna say, I, I, as soon as I saw the ship, if um, real Star, you know Star Trek fans out there will recognize that ship from. Uh, I think it was Star Trek, the concept series for Star Trek Phase Two. They were doing yeah. preliminary designs for that, and that's. Straight from See, those old drawings. Right there, the, those, there's been two points that, that show me that I should have had you and Tom on at the same time because you both referenced sort of some really deep inside knowledge. Oh. Uh, but we're gonna we're going to uh, really lean on your uh, inside Whovian knowledge in the near future, and uh, we'll talk uh, we'll talk Doctor Who very soon. But uh, anyway, Rafe, I appreciate you staying up late to be with us here, no and uh, we will definitely talk to you soon uh, about Star Trek, Doctor Who, and who knows what else. Uh, but uh, thank you so much to our guests, uh, Rafe. What is, you're on Twitter, but you don't use it, or what is is it? Uh... Oh, I I'm on Twitter. I kind of use it just kind of chat, chat with my DMZ friends. Right. It's Mark my, Coin. My Mark, Mark Coin Hunt. Right. Yep. Yeah. Coin C O Y N E, like the the family of yeah. the family swimming lips. So that's where we can find Mark Coin Hunt. All right, and we yep. will talk to you soon, uh, Rafe. And of course, at Tom Kelly Show for at Jeff Duray. I'm at Christian DMZ, and of course, we always have. <laughs> I love this. This is a great. This is a great choice by Captain EO. Uh, we have at Blackcast, and of course, like the Blackcast on Facebook. This is Starship. Say you don't